Lodge Talk Radio. I get that. I understand it. 
But you have to also understand on the flip side, your actions show that these are the things that you subscribe to. No one can can control anyone else. We can't control what you think, what you feel, what you believe. That is a given right by every human being. Hell, you can kill me and you still don't control what I'm thinking in here in my brain. But to mask yourself as one who cares, that's a different story. Now, I'll step back for just a moment because I will admit and will concede that some changes have been made. But I'll challenge those that say changes have been made and that we've come a far way, a long way. I'll challenge you throughout this particular show to really investigate and say, has change really happened? Or has the illusion of change happened? So, obviously you say, okay, well, conservatism, you know, uh, I'm lumping in a lot of people, you know, it's attributed now to primarily the Republican Party, but not only because I'm not only talking about the Republican Party, uh, but all those who subscribe to conservatism. So let's let's draw some baseline um, uh, parameters for this conversation so that at least we're on some sort of uh, same page, same wavelength when, when it comes to why I'm having this type of discussion. Uh, <clears throat> so I went to the dictionary, pretty simple, and looked up the word conservatism. This is Webster's, uh, excuse me, not Webster's. I want to make sure that I give you the, uh, the correct reference. Okay. Now pull this off of Dictionary.com. Real simple. So, conservatism is the disposition to preserve or restore what is established and traditional, and listen to this, the end part, and to limit change. That's what conservatism is. So, your whole goal as a party is to preserve your way of thinking, your philosophy, your policies, and your traditions, and to limit change. This goes to a mindset that you would purposely set out to limit change. So all of the changes that I hear people talk about from the civil rights movement up until now and President Obama becoming president, I tried to explain to so many people that I was I was just as happy to see a person of color uh, make it to the White House, be elected president of the United States. But I also caution people to remember that that really, on many levels, was just quite symbolic uh, because many of the laws and the policies that govern us on an everyday basis um, or on the state and the local level. I'm 
not discounting anything uh, because obviously with the direction that the country went in under his tutelage and under his administration, we saw some great strides, uh, great movement in, uh, in, in several different areas in the country. And that was under duress because the very day that he got elected, the Republican Party, the party who believes that you should limit change went on an onslaught to try to negate anything that he attempted to do. Even those policies, even those uh, things that he tried to do, which they had previously voted for. Contradiction. You'll hear me say that word quite a bit throughout this particular show. Contradiction. <laughs> because the Republican Party and many conservatives, and I won't just say them because the, the contradiction flows from uh, across the political spectrum often, but blatantly from the Republican Party to say one thing but do something else. I find it odd and, and I find it quite interesting how many of them say that they want government out of their lives and you know freedom of speech. And they, but anytime someone protests or doesn't like something that they do, then you're ready to quash it, squirrel it, and obliterate people, quite honestly. And, and there's a track record of this. So conservatism, the disposition to preserve or restore what is established. And what is established in this country? What is established is that it is run by white males, predominantly middle-aged white men. That is established, that has been established from the beginning of this country. What is established is that they also believe that they're better than everyone. Now, am I saying every white male in this country? No. But those that run it, yes. And I'm going to pretty much show by your actions how you govern policies you put in place that this is the case. So I know we have arguments back and forth. Oh, no, 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 no. So we're not even going to argue your philosophy and how you think. Because the age-old adage, actions speak louder than words. Everybody's heard of that. I mean, right? Your actions will prove the fact that not only do you think that you're better than, than other people, just in general, but you put in place policies, regulations, and things that will continue that cycle of dysfunction and continue to widen the gap between the rich and the poor. You're hitting people on levels. And it's ingenious how you've done this philosophy, uh, especially when you, you know, try to couch it under this umbrella of democracy and capitalism. Well, democracy really isn't happening in its in its purest sense. And I think most people will subscribe to that and, and say that we live in more of a republic. But the capitalistic system that we live in, by its very nature, is set up to make the rich rich and the poor poor. So conservatism, but you say you care. You get on TV, you go out, you raise all this money, you raise all this hubbub amongst people trying to make it seem like minorities or trying to come over and take over 
we never tried to take over anything. As a matter of fact, we didn't ask you to be here. You brought us here. You take our ideas and you profit off of them, yet you try to say that we're the ones that are causing all the problems in this country. Contradiction. So this is what conservatism is, according to the definition. This is what Republicans subscribe to, and it is to preserve your way of life. So in this country, we say that there's freedoms for everyone, that everyone is created equal, right? And everyone has rights under the law. But we know that that's not true, and we know that that's not how it's being doled out. But that's the, that's the condition that you would love to preserve in this country. And you want people to support you. Well, there's many ways to show also um, that this is what you would like to preserve. And again, I say it's not a, uh, a judgment, right? Because it's going by your actions. Your words have said a lot. Trump and his administration have said a lot, talking about making America great again, how you're going to bring jobs back, how you're going to, um, you know, fight for health care for American people, all these things, right? Yet your decisions, your actions show something totally different. So American people, as I'll talk about this conversation, the American people also hold some responsibilities because we continue to vote these type of people in. So we can't just lay the blame on the politicians, although there's a lot that lays in, at their feet. We have to blame ourselves as well. And for all of those who continue to vote for the Republican or the conservative movement, what you're really saying is that you agree with what they're doing. But what you don't understand is they're not doing it for you. They're doing it for themselves. And my question is why you would continue to do this knowing that their decisions aren't going to help you. And that's not just some philosophy. These are facts. The numbers show it. And, I, and I'm going to get into some of the, uh, some of the proof here in, in just a moment. But I want to show how American people, those who cry after all the, the, the stuff starts hitting the fan, Right? You cry and you bellyache, but you're part of the problem. And part of that is also due to the way you think. Because you become an accomplice and you become complicit in this whole cycle of dysfunction. And that's what it is. Now, when I said I would credit that there's some changes that happened. I do that only in respect to my father. My father was born in 1944. So he was born and raised and, and grew up during the time of the, of the civil rights movement. And so in, in his lifetime, in his lifespan, he has seen change happen in this country. <clears throat> so out of respect of his life and the way he has lived and the way he has raised me, I can see that, that there, there has been some change from those times um, to now. And me being able to live the way I live is in direct reflection to the sacrifices that many, 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 many people 
that I could not even possibly begin to name uh, made back during those times. But we also have some politicians who continue to get reelected to the same positions over and over and over and over again, who have been in those positions for not a few years, but decades, yet we continue to have the same struggle and fight for equality. If you and I were in a position for more than a year and our evaluation showed a failed ability to do the job at hand, we would be fired. We would be given our pink slip. Yet we continue to vote in individuals who continue to vote in policies that only favor the rich, that only favor a certain group of people in this country and the way they think and feel and and believe that people should live because they believe and think that they're better than everyone else, then you're complicit because you're choosing to be involved in an illegal and questionable act, especially with others, having complicity. That's the definition. So I'm not saying or trying to pass judgment. Your actions are showing that you're complicit with those individuals who continue to govern this way, although we say that everybody is created equal. The contradiction of it all. You're an accomplice because you vote. You're a person who knowingly helps another in a crime and or wrongdoing, often as a subordinate. And yeah, you're the subordinate because they use you as pawns every election cycle. They race bait you. They make you think that we're taking your jobs. They make you think that we're, we're some, you know, threat to you. And so you become an accomplice because you vote them back in. But this didn't really, <laughs> the funny thing about it is this cycle continues over and over again. Uh, and, and it's on all levels. It's on all levels. And so now I'm going to dive in and, and talk about, since I kind of give you a little bit of philosophy, some people, oh, he's just ranting. Well, no, let's, let's talk about some specifics. And we can, we can go to some different errors. We'll talk about uh, some definitely some things that are going on right now, some decisions that have been made just this week in re- reference to the American people and some of the decisions that this administration and this Congress, the House of Representatives, have made in order to make America great again. But we're going to talk about who, uh, you know, when they do the, the, the analysis of the draft, and you know, they make grades. So we're going to grade this administration. We're going to grade this Republican Congress. Uh, we're going to give them a grade, you know, based off of what they said, right, and then what has actually happened. You know, let's do an evaluation. You know, we seem to think it's okay to evaluate athletes. We seem to think it's okay to evaluate our students. We think it's okay to evaluate ourselves on our jobs to make sure that we're doing what is required. So why are we not evaluating these politicians and giving them a grade? And since they are not and do not have a passing grade, and all of the reports and all the polls show that the American people are not happy with what they're doing, why are you there? You need to be given your pink slip. But see, that's the cycle, because you and I, the average Joe, the regular American person, so, so to speak, 
will never have enough money as an individual. And if you're not in the pockets of the corporations or the special interest group, to run a campaign to be noted, partially because you brainwashed the American people so much to think that the only people that can govern this country are people that have the money that can show up on TV or, 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 or you know, have the money to, to spend on all these ads. Well, probably in this country at that particular time, you're no good. At, you're, you're not going to govern with the American people's best interests at heart. Not the way this cycle has been set up. And you can follow the, the special interest dollars all over the place for all of them. It's very few of them very few of them who are not in the pockets of the corporations. So, but this this didn't start just now. Again, I said there's a cycle. So I'm going to go back just a little bit under one of the, these, uh, one of the presidents that everybody feels so great. All these changes, you know, he, he fought the Soviet Union and, he, you know, tackled, you know, our, you know, biggest adversary. We also killed the, the America's middle class. Pretty much. And I'm talking about the whole idea of Reaganomics, the trickle-down theory, everybody's idea that, you know, cutting taxes on the rich and the wealthy and corporations is going to then transcend into money and wealth for the middle class. <laughs> Doesn't happen. And white America, Republicans, fall for the okey-doke every time. There is nothing in that scheme that ever works. And that's not just me saying it. History proves it. But there was an interesting article that I read, and bear with me because I, I would rather give the credit to this person who wrote the article. So I am going to read a couple of excerpts from it. But I think they're very interesting um, excerpts because it really breaks it down in a way that I probably can. I mean, I try to you know be as uh, informed as possible, but um, it really breaks it down, but the, the title of the article is Reaganomics Killed America's Middle Class. The country's fate was sealed when our government slashed taxes on the rich back in 1980. Um, now, this article actually uh, kind of breaks it down. So, again, I'm just going to read um, a few excerpts from it. So, there's nothing normal about having a middle class. Having a middle class is a choice that a society has to make. And it's a choice we need to make again in this generation if we want to stop the destruction of the remnants of the last generation's middle class. Despite what you might read in the Wall Street Journal or on Fox News, capitalism is not an economic system that produces a middle class. In fact, if left to its own devices, capitalism tends towards vast of inequality and monopoly. The natural and most stable state of capitalism actually looks a lot like the Victorian England depicted in Charles Dickens' novel. Now, at the top of this very small class, it's a small class of super rich. Below them, there's a slightly larger but still very small middle class of professionals and merchantilists, doctors, lawyers, shop owners, um, people who keep things running for the super rich and supply the working poor with their needs. And at the very bottom, there's this great mass of people, typically over 90% of the population, who make up the working poor. 
They have no wealth. In fact, they're typically in debt most of their lives and can barely survive on what little money that they make. So for an average working people, there is no such thing as a middle class in normal capitalism because it's not designed or set up for us. Wealth accumulates at the very top among the elite, not among everyday working people. Inequality is the default option. And you can see this trend in America. When we have heavily regulated and taxed capitalism in the post-war era, the largest employer in America was General Motors, and they paid working people what would be, in today's dollars, about $50 an hour with benefits. Reagan began deregulating and cutting taxes on capitalism in 1981, and today, with more classic raw capitalism, what we call Reaganomics, or supply-side economics, Our nation's largest employer is Walmart, and they pay around $10 an hour. (laughs) That's quite interesting. That is quite a huge change. Now, this article goes on, and like I said, there's another snippet that I wanted to read. The discord is exactly what conservatives always push for. Now, isn't that quite interesting? Conservatism. And we read what that was, the disposition to preserve or restore what is established and traditional and to limit change, to limit change. Now, this, of course, back to the article, is what conservatives always push for. When wealth is spread more equally among all parts of society, people start to expect more from society and start demanding more rights. That leads to social instability, which is feared and hated among conservatives, even though revolutionaries and liberals like Thomas Jefferson welcome it. And as Perkin Buckley predicted back in the 1950s, this is exactly what happened in the 60s and 70s when taxes on the rich were at their highest. The civil rights movement, the women's movement, the consumer movement, the anti-war movement, and the environmental movement, social movements that grew out of the wealth and rising expectations of the post-World War II era middle class. These all terrified conservatives, which is why ever since then, they took power in 1980, they've made gutting working people out of the middle class their number one goal. (laughs) Again, I couldn't have said it any better than that. So this idea that cutting taxes on the rich is going to benefit those of us in the middle class or poor people, this fallacy we have to stop believing. And it is bred, not just because I said it, but there are those obviously from this article who see it as well, that it is bred out of a belief that they are better And so their laws and their policies are going to make sure that they stay where they're at and that you and I continue to move backwards. Now, why on earth anybody knowing this information would then vote for people that they know are going to do this can only mean one thing. Well, it can mean multiple things. So you either are okay with that 
meaning that you believe it as well and you're okay with being in that rung of society or you're okay with them manipulating things in such a manner so that life gets worse for everyone else, just as long as maybe you stay a rung above those who are poor. That's a problem. And this is so simple. I don't understand why this very issue, and this is before we even talk about the other challenges that we have about racism. How do we expect any change to happen? Lasting change. Not the incremental change that they're okay with, and that, but once you get a little too close, ah, they clamp back down. But we enable them, or those of us who vote conservatives in, or those who have the conservative beliefs. I said here recently, I have my own personal belief about what <clears throat> I feel about abortion. I have my own personal belief, but I, for one, do not subscribe to the government telling me how to conduct that type of situation um, especially in those situations where you have a mother and a child and you have to make a decision on what which one lives. But this is one of the biggest, biggest issues in the Republican or the conservative platform, pro-life. And I'm all for life, trust me. But I find it very contradictory that you will protect the life of an unborn fetus, but those who are alive and breathing and have made contributions to life, you think it's okay to shoot down and kill in cold blood. Videotaped and everything. But you think that's okay and you will defend that. You will go to another country, you will you will risk other American lives for someone else's civil war, for someone else's battles. You will send troops, you will send money, you will send resources to, to the aid of those that you feel are in need. But those who are in need in your own country, you turn your nose up at. And find it revolting in some instances to assist. How does one say that you care and you supposedly are trying to make this country great again? If you think about great achievements that people have made in and throughout history. That word great isn't thrown around lightly. Only few people get to that echelon. 
again, I had this conversation with my father, and and, uh, though I would not want to necessarily live in another country, I think if we really take an honest look, an unbiased look at ourselves in the mirror, we are not a great country, and we're far from it. We're still trying to control what people do on an everyday basis. Now, outside of the known things, the inherent things of humanity, not to kill, not to steal, not to do harm to anyone else, to live peaceably amongst your neighbors, right? Outside of those things, we do a lot of controlling. We try to tell people what to do from every aspect of their lives, even in their bedrooms. And who are you to tell me what to do? If it has no effect or impact on your life, And in the instance of pro-life, how dare you as the government, how dare you as a Republican, how dare you as a conservative tell me you don't even know anything about me, my family, and then how dare you tell me how to make that most crucial decision. I don't know what decision I would make because I'm not in that situation. But in that situation, I'm not getting on the phone to say, uh, government, can you tell me how to make this decision? Yet you feel the need and the power that you can control that in people's lives. So, you say that you care about people. Let's get to this healthcare thing, which I think is quite interesting. The healthcare, I, I, I I really don't understand why it is such a big deal. But again, when you come from that conservative belief system, you, it's designed, and capitalism is designed but to widen the gap. So then from that perspective and an understanding, then I understand why it's happening. But again, don't present yourself as a, a person or a people that care when your actions show something totally different. And on our last show, you know, I pointed out and talked about the fact that uh, this comes from a way of thinking, a belief system. And I know it may be offensive to some people, but it's just your actions which are pointing out the, the inevitable. It's a psychosis. And a lot of people need to sit down and have a talk with a counselor or a therapist. Psychosis is simply believing something is true when it is not true. And this is a continued belief. And it's continued to believe that white people are better than any other race. It's a psychosis. And I'm not saying that you are the only ones that, that deal with this psychosis, but in this country and the ones who are in power who run it, it is psychotic. And your decisions are psychotic because you know and you will blatantly make decisions that you know that are going to affect millions of people and you don't care. And you know the result of it. But the funny thing is, is I mean, you know, African-Americans, minorities, we're kind of used to this. Most of us, I don't, shouldn't say most of us, but a lot of us weren't on health care anyway. I mean, that's what the numbers showed out. 
So the people that were really hurt out of this situation were the white Americans who voted for the Republicans. Now they're stripping away not just pre-existing conditions, which is a long list of things. Let's see. And you know what the response is? Because we're going to get into that. But before I get into the response, excuse me, before I get into the response, let's talk about a few things that, 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 that happened. Uh, because I did mention pre-existing conditions. But the Republicans also eliminated health care for disabled children. And this article by C. Powell posted on May 2, 2017. But he talks about in this article uh, that Texas is gutting its Medicare system. And I say in this article, I'm just reading it, screwing millions of people, including disabled children, out of their out of the health care that they need. Over a year ago, lawmakers ordered it, and now Texas has announced it and will, in fact, enact massive cuts to money that is paid to therapists who treat vulnerable children with disabilities. Reimbursements for Medicaid are used to pay for pediatric therapy services provided to disabled babies and toddlers. Karen Williams is the spokeswoman for the state's health and Human Services Commission. She said Texas will apply the cuts on Medicaid rates on December the 15th. That's really sad that, again, we say that we care. We say that we are supposed to help those who are in need and those who may need special services and things of that nature. Yet, you cut the money that has been allotted for that. Now, the response. Because I know that many people have seen the uproar on TV, on, TV, uh, on CNN, MSNBC, and things of that nature. Uh, many white Americans, uh, middle-class Americans, poor white Americans going to town halls and uh, questioning their, their, their representatives and their congressmen about, you know, this, this repeal. And please, side note, please, let's call it the Affordable Care Act. I am quite and I know that their names have always been attributed to different policies and things, but I think it's really just disrespectful to only think that President Obama was the only one who wanted health care for all Americans. Uh, so it's, you know, people want to continue to call it Obamacare. Uh, and, 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 and most of the times that was said in a very derogatory manner. So the Affordable Care Act. As we know this week, the House voted to repeal it. So I'm going to talk about two points with regards to that and the contradiction of the Republicans, the contradiction of conservatives, but watching this cycle continue and how they play the game knowing that the American public generally doesn't pay enough attention to their actions to understand what's really going on. So many congressmen, many representatives and, and, and senators have been asked about this ad nauseum. Many town hall meetings have gotten quite volatile. So one of the GOP, one of the Republican congressmen, if you don't like the state denying your pre-existing conditions, 
move. That was his response. That's how much he cares about the fact that he is stripping health care from millions and millions of Americans who have benefited. Right? That's his response. That's what he believes. So, let me read a little bit because I want to point out who, uh, who this particular individual was. One Republican member of Congress thinks patients with pre-existing conditions should move to another state if their current state denies them coverage. House Republican leaders are running into trouble whipping votes from the American Health Care Act. Right? This is the Trump care. They've given it a name as well. Given a controversial new amendment added to the legislation last week. The MacArthur Amendment, authored by Representative Tom MacArthur, Republican, New Jersey, is a provision to ultimately decide what is and what isn't essential coverage that must be included in all health care plans sold within a given state. This could mean that patients with pre-existing conditions could be denied coverage depending on what a state government decides is or isn't an essential benefit. Now, his statement, or excuse me, in response to the outcry, people can go to the state they want to live in, Pittenger said. States have all kinds of different policies, and there are disparities among states for many things. So they couch this under saying they're putting this back into states' hands. And I just think that's funny. And I think it's funny to say, hey, move. You can choose which states you can go to. Most Americans can't just up and move just whenever they want to. So the point again, if you care so much about America, and we can't say that the resources aren't here, it's been proven. The resources are here. The resources are available. Now, choice is, is what, how much rich people get, right? And how much, you know, they decide to, uh, you know, settle to dole out to us mere mortal middle class or poor Americans. Now, I said I was going to make two points about that. Point was that they really don't care and you just to tell somebody to up and move to another state that gives you the better selections for your family, is that really realistic? That comes from a mouth of a person who obviously has nothing to worry about financially. But for the vast majority of Americans, that's not an option. Point two, the contradiction, again, Republicans exempt their own insurance from the latest health care proposal. The Republicans don't like Obamacare, and I'm saying that sarcastically, but they want to keep the popular Obamacare provisions for themselves and their staff. Wow. So again, people who don't have the same amount of resources that you have, you don't want to pay more taxes than they do. You don't want them to have health care. As a matter of fact, you want to cut your own taxes so that you can have more money than they than you have 
already, but you want to keep the provisions of a law that you say you hate that you're repealing that benefit you and your staff. I haven't even delved into the idea of what this means on a racial level. Just a simple policy, belief, theory level. It doesn't make sense. So again, I ask the question, because the proof is there. Why do people continue to vote in individuals who have this belief? You have every right to do that. Let me say that. Let me put that on the table. But don't then try to wave this flag and say that you care about American people. When you care about your interests and how you can further that in making more money and how you can do that between those who don't have as much. But don't laud this flag about you caring and wanting to make America great. Are you operating within the system that is designed to benefit you and allow you to do and manipulate it in any way when it's starting to seem like it's getting out of hand and out of your control? Yeah. I mean, you're doing that in a very, very wonderful way. Applaud you on that. So then, there's one other thing, one other aspect, conservative uh, movement that no one really kind of wants to touch or talk about. Um, I'm actually going to take a call, hopefully, for the first time. Um, I'm just noticing that on our screen. So I'm going to take this call. I don't actually know. It's coming from a 314 area code. I'm not exactly sure what the question is or or the call, but we're gonna see. Um, so give me just a moment as I as I catch this. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing great. And who am I speaking with? Well, my name is is Pianchi. I'm calling from the the Midwest, actually around the, the St. Louis area. Okay. Welcome, welcome. Did you have a question or did you want to make a statement? Well, I was going to make a, a, a statement because I am considering myself as a conservative. And I was a Donald Trump uh, supporter. I attended his rallies here in St. Louis. I'm African-American. And I support him because of the issues that he put out there. Uh, one is the particular topic you're talking about now on insurance, the 
issue on immigration and the issue on schools and also the Second Amendment as it applies to guns. Uh, on the insurance, I am happy that he done away with the mandate. You know, I, I wish that everyone have insurance. I think insurance is a, is a right for people to have, but what uh, your last president done, I think, was really kind of trifling. Uh, this mandate requiring people to get involved in something that they probably wouldn't want to get involved in. You know, they're talking about you're going to have the 24 million people that was that's without coverage. Well, maybe it's that uh, they won't have coverage because they are not mandated to be involved in the last scheme. And I think that was really unjust so, for so, young people. So, I, and I understand and I can appreciate, uh, you know, the things that you've said. So the question that I would put back to you, though, is you're saying that the, the mandate didn't help, but it, but it, all of the, all of the evidence is, shows that it did help. It did more help than it did damage. If that's what, if, if you want to do some comparison, and the mandate with fines, you say that that doesn't help. You find somebody, and every year the fine keeps going up and up and up. It put people on insurance that would not have normally been in, in insurance. And first of all, you have to look at this not from just an economic aspect. You also look at it from a holistic aspect. We always want to talk about people being healthier in this country. And preventative medicine is one way to make that happen. Well, I understand, but could I finish? Could I could I finish what I was going to say? Sir, I'll let you speak. So give me a moment. Let me finish my point, and then I'll I'll let you speak again. But I'll let you get your point out. My point is, so pre-existing, it's been shown. The studies have shown that people that are able to get preventative medicine tend to live longer tend not to be people who will go to the hospital and... Well, didn't they have the ability to get preventative medicines in these cities? They do have, in the city that I live near, they have comprehensive health clinics all that over is, the place. That's not and in people can attend it. That's not in every Pardon city. me? That's not in every Yeah, city. but, but, so, it's, so, but so the people in this city the, work to have it. But you're making the assumption that they were working off of it. And you could uh, go to those clinics at a sliding scale. That's not that's not for everybody. That's not in every city, sir. So you're yeah, but what, did you hear what I said, sir? I said that the people in this city work to have it, just like the people in my county pass bond issues to so replace again, my, the water my pipe. To that, sir, my response to that is this: You're making the assumption that every city is working off of a level playing field. And that is not the case. That is but the do you understand? Do you understand? Try to fight for rights in the Well, we're going to get in an argument. No, it's I not. Call in to, I call in to make a couple of statements, and I was going to be gone. Then you're, you're keeping me here. And I let you make your statement. And I, I wasn't done. Some of the things you're saying, I was actually going to say. Okay. Sir, so if you I, let I, me finish. You make your full statement in the very beginning. So I apologize if you think I that did, I... With, I with. did not finish the statement, young man. Continue your statement, sir. Thank you. Another point. 
why would he tax? You know, I why I'm in the, the commercial construction. Why would who tax what? Why would Obama, in his last plan, want to tax what's called Cadillac plans? I work in an industry where the employees would rather put the raises that they had coming, their health and welfare benefits. Therefore, they had excellent insurance plans. And they could be treated without paying a penny on anything, dental, a scratch, going to the emergency room. But why, if they're paying over $18,000 a year for their own coverage, they are now taxed as if they're buying a retail item. That was totally ridiculous. Now, Just like, why would you tax a person that goes to a okay. tanning parlor? Now, can I answer that question? Are yes. You, are you going to continue or do you want me to answer now? Well, that's, that's, that's what all I had to say about insurance. Okay, so, so go ahead, I, I, I'm not saying, and I, and I think no one has said that the Affordable Care Act was 100% perfect. No one said that. All along from the very beginning, they said that there was going to need to be tweaks to it. There were going to need to be some changes to it. No one from President Obama down said that it was going to be a perfect thing coming off the presses. So we knew well, that. Why didn't you make the tweaks to it on those they, two points I just put out? So if you're in the industry, you do know that there were some tweaks made to it. But here's the question that I want to put back to you. If it was so bad, and this is the point of this show, if it was so bad, why are the Republicans wanting to kill it but keep certain pieces of it for them, them as legislatures and their staff? They want to cut it from the American people but keep it for themselves. That's the whole point of the show, sir. It's not necessarily well, let me, whether they're – You're talking about three factions. You're talking about three factions. In the first go around with the uh, with with the Congress, you had three factions in the Republican Party. You had one that wanted to get. You had one. You, you're not answering the question, sir. My question is. Well, I'm getting simple. ready to answer it. It now, has nothing to do. You with had one faction. You had one faction that wanted to get rid of it completely because their constituents said that. They are doing what their constituents wanted them to do. <clears throat> you had the plan by Paul Ryan that wanted to make some tweaks to it. Then you had another faction that wanted to come up with what was called uh, Obamacare 2.0. And that divided up amongst those three different factions. They did not have enough votes in order to carry it out of Congress. You have a you, the one faction that want to remove it completely. They're doing it because their constituents want them to do that, so, so and they sir, should do what the people that sent them to Congress, the people that sent them to Congress, wants you to do something. That's what you should answer to the people that sent you there. So the people that you're talking about, have you not seen all of the town hall meetings across the country from those same people that asked them to do that? They're saying, "Why are you doing that?" Have you seen that? Yes, you, well, well, you don't have a complete consensus. I agree with that. But, but so here's another question. The question is, one, that you actually, all of that knowledge that you just gave, which was great, 
you didn't answer my question. My question to you was, they, regardless of the factions, the Republican Party, right, who's been trying to kill the Affordable Care Act from its inception, right, they're the ones that just voted to exempt their own insurance. So it's not even about the American people at this point. My question is, why, if you care about the American people, would you get rid of the Affordable Care Act for them, right? So because you said, like you said, that's what they asked for, right? So they got rid of it for them, and you thought it was so bad, yet you made the decision to keep all right, I got an answer for that. I heard you say what you said. You said you repeated that. Let me tell you what the point is. The, the point is, is that just like the American people had a movement toward term limits, the American people should have a movement that make politicians pay for their own insurance. They should have term limits on politicians. That's up to the American people to do that. I totally agree with you on that. I said that. That's let me go on thing. to my next point. So that's the one thing about, and I can't let you dominate the time because I have a couple of, I have another. Uh, well, let me make, let me make mention, then I'll leave. Okay. As I said before, I'll immigration. Anyone? Well, I'm not going to debate on these three points. I mention no, them, no, then I'll leave. I appreciate it, sir, the, the points that you called in and made. That's what I said. Yeah, okay, on on the next point, immigration. Anyone that's in this country that's illegal, they are criminal. If you don't have a a visa, you are criminal, and you should be made to get out. I don't believe that when a woman comes into this country and drops a child, then all of a sudden that child's a citizen. That needs to be changed. We have had court cases that said that that wasn't what the 14th Amendment meant. Another point, it should be a national concealed carry. I should not have to leave my gun at the border when I go into another state, and the one that comes to mind to me is Illinois. That is totally ridiculous. And another last point is a parent should have a right to put their child where they think that they're going to be best educated. If you look at your inner city schools, they are terrible. Not all, but overall, they are terrible. African-American children who score the lowest when they're evaluated don't have to take a score. Uh, they're being evaluated to see exactly where their educational knowledge lies and what their deficiencies are. When your ACT, SAT scores are some of the lowest in the nation, you got to make changes to that. And so do you ever think about why they're in the condition that they're in? I understand exactly. In the St. Louis area, you have I, black I, school I, districts that have more revenue than all white school districts. I actually used to live in the St. Louis area, sir. So I know about that area quite well. I lived in Ferguson. So, yeah, well, I, I don't. Well, I, my I don't daughter stay in Bell Fountain. I'm actually from the state of Missouri. I'm sorry, my daughter stay in. Uh, I know. Barrington Downs. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I, I've lived it. So you're not telling me anything and, that I don't know. Like action. And you know that like school district, like Normandy School District, Normandy School District, St. Louis School District, they have more in revenue than your Bayless and your Aftons. So listen, listen, sir. Yes. That My name is Pianchi. Okay. It's, that education is a, is a separate topic, and it's a, it's a good one to have. It's a separate well, topic. Well, I wasn't this, making a topic. I was just telling you I, as a conservative, and what uh, Donald Trump brought up, right. yeah. 
And I appreciate that. Listen, at the end of the day, which is the name of the show, <clears throat> I said at the beginning or near the beginning that I can't control how anybody thinks or feels. What I'm saying is actions speak louder than words. Don't say that you care about the American people when your policies don't show well, you don't have to care about all the American people. You, the people well, in Ferguson didn't come out to vote out knows the former mayor. He's still there. Well, why do we? Why do you say that not to care about all of the American people? That's what because because the, because because technically the United States is made up of about eleven different nations. <clears throat> the people up in in the north, in Maine and Massachusetts, have a different feeling about the death penalty than those. In Florida, those in Georgia or Mississippi, those so in Washington State is, have a different opinion on issues also. So exactly. And my point is, never in anything that I've said throughout the entire show have I said that I am trying to tell anybody else how to live their life. As a matter of fact, what I'm saying is tell everybody else to stop trying to tell us how to live our lives. Republicans are always trying to tell somebody what to do. Yet they're always saying government should have hands off. But they're well, the that's the, trying to tell the Democrats do the same thing. Politicians. They tell me. They city. tell me that my child should be. I should. My my daughter should uh, allow. Should I say uh, accept the fact that a, a boy, a male, can come into her shower room during her athletic facilities? I don't want that. And if you lived in Ferguson, you know how wretched the city of St. Louis is. You oh, have you've had Democrat at the Democrat at the Democrat, Bosley, the Frenches. So so it goes I'm, on and on and on. And here's the thing: the conservative movement that they, they want to talk about, uh, and I'm talking about the national conservative movement, and, I, and I've talked about specific major points that they have within there. And one of the things, and I do appreciate your call, sir. I want to get to this last point in the show. Yeah, go ahead and get to your last bit. Maybe I can come on and see you next week. That that sounds good to me. All right. And I continue to listen. I'm going to mute my mic. All right. And so the last point I would like to make is one of the things that um, that happens when you listen to the national agenda, the national policy agenda, um, that is touted by the Republican Party year after year after year, cycle after cycle after cycle. They talk about uh, of this belief in God. Okay, they talk about this belief in God, this belief, uh, this strong belief in in, in in the equality of man and, and, and all of this. And I and I I've had some struggles, but I I really had to think about this um, on some on some greater levels. Uh, and because I'm a person of faith as well. But I, I do find it very contradictory. And, and I know this probably will raise a lot of uh, people's eyebrows or whatever and, and, and how I say it. But sometimes things need to be said in a certain way to get people's attention. Now, am I saying this is 100% of people? No, I'm not. Am I saying that, uh, that every last person um and never done something nice in their life, never helped somebody, no, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this, 
and this would be not only for white America, black America, whatever, this would be for anyone who quote unquote calls themselves a Christian. Uh, everybody, well, let me not say everybody. I often hear people make excuses for the wrongdoings that are done. We always talk about, uh, you know, being fallible, being human. And I understand and I get that. But I'm going to say this in this manner because I think there is true benefit. Folks call themselves Christians, say that they believe in God, yet your actions show something completely different. And that is what the focus really was of this entire show. Um, And even why it was titled, Is Conservatism the New Face of Racism? Because it doesn't look like it. All the words, all the verbiage, all the propaganda looks real good. It sounds real good. But when you delve deeper into the motivation behind why people do what they do, you see something totally different. Even in the scriptures, Jesus told the Pharisees and Sadducees, hey, you know the law. Hey, you're knowledgeable. You know exactly what it says. But it says your heart is far from me. The execution of what you know in your head is not showing that you're operating with my spirit. And why do I say that? Because Galatians 5, 22, verse 22 and 23, talk about the fruits of the spirit. And a lot of people say, well, don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me. I'm not going to judge you, right? Because I don't want anybody to judge me. But what this opens up the door for is allowing us to judge your actions. And if you're a Christian and you're being led by the Spirit, the Scriptures do tell us that there should be some way of seeing the manifestation of this. And that manifestation is recounted in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, which says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against those things there is no law. So if you are treating people, and if you see people the way God sees people, you don't try to kill them, you don't rape them, you don't murder them. You don't swindle them out of money. You don't steal from them. You don't try to belittle them. You don't enslave them. And I can run down a list of a whole lot of other things that you don't do if you are operating and living with the Spirit of God. So all I'm saying in this, you can be racist if you want to, but don't couch it under this belief of God. Don't 
label yourself as a Christian when your actions clearly, clearly show that you have another belief system. What that is, I have no idea. But I, for one, don't want to be couched in with you because you call yourself a Christian, but you can look at the color of my skin and treat me different. Because the Bible also says that God is not a respecter of persons. So how can he be a res- not a respecter of persons, yet you can be because you find everything to divide people in this country, and not just this country. Because like I said, I've traveled outside of this country. I've talked to people in other countries about the divisiveness and the discrimination and the economic disparities that go on in those countries as well. So I'm not just saying it's here. What I'm saying is it's a humanistic problem, period. And until we get to a place where we stop trying to treat someone different because they look slightly different or thinking that we're better than people and governing from a place of it's not just about me and what my agenda is and what I or how I feel like people should live. We'll stop having this cycle, but this cycle is not just going to go away. Because again, it's layers. And until we understand the different layers of the cycle, we're going to continue to repeat it. Now, I think that's dysfunction. That's what dysfunction is, to continue to repeat the same garbage, the same crap. There is absolutely nothing from science to everything else that you can point to me and show me that Caucasians are better than anybody else in this world. And I'm not trying to create some type of of negative uh, influence or negative uh, energy. What I'm saying is I'm tired as a black man of living in this country and being judged because of the color of my skin. I'm tired of carrying that burden. But that burden can be clearly, clearly shown and placed in decision makings by other people. My hope, and unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen in my lifetime, but my hope is that we get to a place where those who have come before me have said that people are actually judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. But those words ring hollow every single day that I walk out of the door because just a very simple walk five minutes up the block to the store could cause me not to come home. Not because I've done something wrong, but because of the perception of somebody else and what they think of me. And the conservative movement and the way it's thinking and the contradiction of it, those are actions that cannot be denied. There's no argument in those things. That's why I try to point out things that are actually happening, because actions speak louder than words. And you can say all you want to on TV and in these interviews about how much you care about the American people. Your decisions, your actions, 
will prove what you really believe. And American people have to stop being accomplices and complicit in screwing our own selves over. The information is out there. But people like that bank on the fact that you're not going to go and look for it or find it or even care. And that's what happens. And so we run this cycle every You can go back and just look at it. It's a cycle after cycle after cycle. So just food for thought. I'm not saying that it is, but the question is on the table. Is conservatism the new face of racism? I want everybody to have a wonderful weekend. um, And we'll come back and we'll continue to talk about uh, many different issues that tackle our country, our nation. Um, and at this time, we probably have already signed off. I'm going to take the last few minutes to point out a couple of things about my own community, which I try to be fair and balanced. As, as I you know, tell people all the time, looking in the mirror is good, right? Um, it allows you to see yourself. And if there are any flaws, you can make any changes if you decide to. Some people never decide to make those changes. Um, But if you deal in a society, if you're going to live in a society, and it's not just you alone, you have to consider how your actions and how the things that you say are going to affect other people. And often when chaos and and, and, uh, disagreements happen, it's because either one or both people or multiple people have not made that consideration. Hey, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but if you want to be divisive, you probably should leave this country and go find an island to live by yourself. I do want to just point out two little articles um, that just were just interesting on on all different levels. Uh, When you start talking about access to healthcare, when you start talking about society just in general, noticing signs, when do you report when you think something is wrong, maybe mentally with someone, physically with someone, all all these different things um, are challenges every day to society. But we, we really, I believe, need to have a dialogue um, moving forward about a lot of these issues. And I know some people think because it doesn't affect them that it's not their issue. I know society operates like that. But when I read kind of situations like the next two articles that I am going to bring up, um, kind of saddens me a little bit. Makes me think like, wow. And then sometimes it makes me want to question the person like, what the hell were you thinking when you did this? And that's why I'm bringing up this one article here. Babysitter transported to the hospital after inserting a baby in her vagina. This is in Cincinnati, Ohio. A 31-year-old woman was admitted to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center yesterday after the 14-month-old toddler she was babysitting got stuck in her vaginal cavity. At 9.30 p.m. on the night in question, she called 911. At least she did call 911. I don't know. That was a coherent thought in her head, so thank God for that. I'm not sure what was going on in in her head prior to that, but... uh, she actually called 911 and reported that she had a baby stuck in her vagina. 
the operator first assumed that she was giving birth at home and dispatched the ambulance to the site. But when the paramedics got there, they were quite surprised <laughs> when they saw what was actually happening. Uh, one of the paramedics uh, related the incident in an interview with Channel 10 News there, um, Brian Whitmore, he was the, uh, the paramedic. And uh, wow. The babysitter, she was interrogated by the police and confessed to deliberately inserting the child into her vaginal cavity. She explained that she was feeling depressed after her doctor told her she could never have children and wanted to know how it felt to give birth. She now faces 11 criminal charges, including aggravated child neglect causing bodily harm and could spend up to 65 years in prison. Wow. You know, and, and maybe it's not mandatory, maybe it's not something that anybody cares about, but I'd, I'd be, you know, would it have hurt knowing or if her doctor noticed? I'm not sure because there was no, I don't think that there was an interview with their doctor, but uh, if she could have gone through some counseling after finding out, maybe that would have prevented her from doing this. That small amount of money that could have been paid for her to have some counseling services about her depression, about not being able to have children, could have prevented her from having to probably be incarcerated now. And so now you're paying for it even more so because now the system has to pay for her to live and eat and and everything else. So, again, people don't want to get involved and say they don't want to spend money or their tax dollars being spent on social services uh, like, you know, counseling and things like that. But when you don't, and when you identify that someone has challenges, this is the potential result. And then let me make this point about that as well. Because a lot of people make this argument thinking that the social services is the majority of where their tax dollars are going. Again, you can go right online and see the pie chart, which shows and gives an illustration of exactly where our tax dollars go. And when I tell you, educate yourself, because a very small percentage goes towards social services. The vast majority of our money goes towards defense. That's not me or anybody else. That's the fact. So we have to change this mindset and stop being duped, stop being uh, uh, bamboozled into believing, oh, the minorities are out to get me. They're trying to get my money. That's not what the numbers and the statistics are about. But you know why they don't put that out there? Because they don't want you to know that. They don't want you to know that because if you knew that and if you understood that, then you probably wouldn't vote the way you do. Wake up, people. It's not rocket science. And so I'm going to end. Sometimes everybody knows that as serious as I have been throughout this conversation, I do love to laugh. I do find things funny. Sometimes they're probably something people would find ratchet or whatever. But I was reading another article, and I just um, – it's just amazing. I don't even know the, the person, uh, the individual involved in this, but it was an article that I read about a Popeye's manager 
arrested for allegedly dipping chicken in cocaine-based flour to increase business sales. <laughs> this is not funny, but it's it goes to the idea again of uh, you know what people are thinking when they make certain decisions. Now, according to this article, this Popeyes is in Brunswick, Georgia. Don't everybody go running out there, please. Please, 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 please. But um, they actually can give the address. I won't give the address. But it's under investigation after a man alerted police that he got in a youth, excuse me, he got a euphoric high after eating dinner from the restaurant. The man stated after he ate dinner, he was craving more and more food. (laughs) I'm sure he was. Now, I wonder how this is going to pan out. I would love to follow this story because I want to know how they're going to be able to prove this. There's probably a lot more to this story than what I'm reading, but the Brunswick Police Department went to the Popeye's location, collected samples of the food, and found numerous trace amounts of drugs, marijuana, and crack cocaine. Many more arrests and details to come. This is interesting. Very interesting. Uh, I am going to try and follow that that story. Um, that is really weird. But um, it makes you want to question about, you know, eating out. And if that happened there, maybe possibly somebody else has done that across the country. So, um and everything, be careful, be watchful, be vigilant. Uh, that's what the word says. But in real life, that's what we need to do. Um, I thank you all for your time and for listening. And if something I said was able to just make you think a little bit and give you a little bit of um, information, I hope it did. And I hope you have a great rest of the weekend. I look forward to um, interacting with you guys on the next show. And again, this has been At the End of the Day with Brian Keith.